Questions? God has answers, and they're all found in the Bible. Welcome to God's Treasure Chest. I'm Charles Mills. Let's see what's hiding in God's Word today. How can God forgive us when we do such bad things? God's forgiveness seems to know no bounds. He forgave Adam and Eve for their disobedience, Moses for striking the rock in anger, King David for murdering the husband of a woman he was lusting after, the prostitute Mary for committing adultery, and Paul for persecuting Christians. But you must remember one important thing about forgiveness. It doesn't change the results of what we did. Adam and Eve still had to live and die in a sinful world. Moses lost the privilege of leading the children of Israel into the promised land. King David couldn't bring the dead man back to life. Mary still had to contend with her reputation. And the Apostle Paul spent his whole life fighting the good fight of faith, knowing what he'd done before he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. The reason Jesus can forgive so much is because he loves us more than he hates what we do. And he's also providing a clear, powerful example of how we're supposed to forgive others. Jesus says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Matthew 5:44 NIV When we forgive others we're showing God we appreciate how much he's forgiven us If you'd like to learn more about God and his amazing treasure chest write for your free kids only Bible course The address is Treasure Chest PO Box 53055 
Los Angeles, California, 90053. Discover the many answers waiting for you in God's treasure chest. We can turn to the Bible whenever we have a question, can't we? We'll open up God's treasure chest again tomorrow. But right now, it's time for some more music. way to praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. It is night, pitch dark. Four desperate men huddle at the outer gate to the city of Samaria. What are we doing here? We have leprosy. We're outcasts, remember? I know these things as well as thee. Why do we just sit here, slowly but surely starving to death? Why don't we go go somewhere and look for food? <laughs> look for food. Where and what? A worm, perhaps? Or a dead dog? A dog? <laughs> there aren't any dead or alive. The people inside the city have already eaten them. Yes, they're as hungry as we are. When Hayden and his soldiers surround the city, a gnat couldn't get through their lines to get food. And all the food inside the city's gone, eaten up. Uh, you know what I heard today? Someone paying 40 pieces of silver for the head of a donkey to eat. Who would eat the head of a donkey? <laughs> Bring me one and I'll show you who would. Ah, you two talk too much. I think the famine's about over. <laughs> Listen to him. Yeah, he thinks someone's going to walk right up and hand us some cakes. Ooh, what I couldn't do with cake. The guards at the gate were talking just before dark. Now, I heard him say that Elisha said the famine's about to end. Well, huh? I heard that the king blames Elisha for the famine and is going to have him beheaded. Have Elisha beheaded? The king's already tried it, the guard said. Hmm. Now, the king sent one of his officers to behead Elisha, but Elisha was too smart for him. He sent the officer back to the king with a message. 
Do you believe that Elisha really represents God? I don't know. He's done some marvelous things. What do you think? Yeah, you I men think want me to finish telling what I heard, or don't you? I'm awfully busy right now with my prime minister, <laughs> but I'll take the time to listen. Say Well, one thing's sure. That must have been some message Elisha sent back to the king. Yeah, the message was kindly, hopeful. He said that tomorrow... No, that would be today. Yeah, but today, a measure of fine flour will sell for a shekel, and huh? two measures of barley for a shekel. And today, I mean yesterday, the head of a donkey was sold for 40 pieces of silver. Say, if Elisha is the prophet of God, if what he says is true, the famine will end tomorrow. I mean today. And, uh... You know what the king's officer said to Elisha? Well, did he thank him for the message and leave? No, he went ahead and beheaded him anyway. You don't say that. Are you interested or not? <laughs> oh, say on, my friend. He made fun of Elisha's message. He said that if the windows of heaven were opened and flour and barley rained down, then might Elisha's prophecy come true. Mm, making fun of Elisha would be the last thing I'd do. Oh, I'd be afraid to. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he did pronounce a curse on the king's officer. <laughs> Good for him. He told the officer that he would see it happen but wouldn't get to eat any of the flour or barley. <laughs> Sounds like a curse of death to me. Say, I have an idea. Well, you men were talking, I've been thinking. <laughs> if thinking were food, you'd already be starved to death. <laughs> yeah. Just the same. I think I know how we can come by some food. Thank you, but I don't want to come by food. I want to eat it. Well, no use to go in the city. We'd starve to death. No use to stay here. No food here either. But there is one place we can go where there is food. A plenty. Uh, pay him no heed. Hunger's already affected his mind. Where is there food a uh, in the Syrian camp. The Syrian camp. We'll surrender to them. If they save us alive, we'll be mere prisoners, and prisoners do eat. If they kill us, eh, we'll die. Uh, we're gonna die anyway. Yeah, I think it's an excellent idea. All in favor, say aye. 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 Yeah, all opposed, say no. We'll leave just before daylight. Right. Uh, right. Uh, <sighs> the tent. It's the first one we've seen. I don't like it. I have a funny feeling. I'm scared. I am not. It's just that everything's so quiet. We didn't even see a sentry, not one. There's something queer going on here. Come on. We'll creep up to that tent. Peek inside. Uh, quiet now. Uh, Easy. We're almost there. Uh, it's just a little bit. My knee hit a rock. We got here without being seen. Now, do we go round to the front of the tent or under it here? Let's just peek under first. Uh, you lift up the flap. No, you. I will. It's empty. Looks like the cot hasn't even been slept in. Oh, it is not empty. Look at that table of food and drink. Where? Waiting just as if someone knew we were coming. <laughs> I'm going in and hand me a feast. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we all will, but we must be quiet. Somebody may be in the next tent. Best food I ever tasted. Oh, men, men, come here. See what I found. And gold, gold, lots of it, and silver. This must be an officer's tent. And look at these clothes. Oh, would I love to have rich clothes like these? You can. <laughs> we'll take the gold and silver and clothes and sneak out the way we came in. We'll hide them, and later we'll spend the gold and silver and wear the clothes. I've been thinking. Now and again, thinking and listening. 
I haven't heard a sound, not one. I think every tent is empty, just like this one. Huh? For some reason, the Syrian army must have fled in a hurry and left everything behind. Well, there's one way to find out. We'll go and see. But first, just in case you're wrong, why don't we sneak out and hide these things? Yeah. And then we'll come back. Okay, All right? Fine, okay. Fine. Hey, you're right. This tent is empty like the first one was. And here's some more gold and silver and beautiful clothes. <laughs> the riches of the entire Syrian <laughs> army are ours, merely for the taking. Well, don't just stand there. Help me carry this gold and silver. We'll hide it where we hid the other stuff. Under these rocks is much silver and gold, ours. By the end of this day, we'll have more. We'll be the richest four lepers in the world. Men. <laughs> Men. Huh? I think we're making a mistake. Uh, oh, he's been oh. thinking again. Well, look at it like this. We can be rich, yes. But what good will it do us? Where will we spend it? Well, there's lots of food and drink up there in the Syrian camp. Well, down there in Samaria, the people starve. For them, it can be a day of joy. Good tidings, peace. Mm -hmm. We will do well to go and tell the king all that has happened. <laughs> the prophecy of Elisha will come true. Better yet, we will be in the good favor of the king. <laughs> <laughs> Four lepers actually saw all this? And so they say, Your Majesty. And I don't think they were lying. They wouldn't dare. I'd chop their heads off. The Syrian camp is empty, no doubt of that. But where are they? That's the big question. Do you think it's a trick, Your Majesty? Of course it is. The Syrians know we're hungry. They've gone out of their camp and hid themselves in the fields. When we go out of the city and into their camp for food, they, they think to catch us alive and capture us and our city. Oh, wise and mighty king. Let some of thy servants take horses and chariots and spy out where the Syrians are gone. See to it, and report to me immediately. Your Majesty, the Syrians have deserted their camp and fled back to their own country. They left everything behind. Food, drink, garments, horses, chariots, even gold and silver. All we have to do is go and get it. Granted. Yet it must be done in an orderly manner. First, my men will bring the food. Do this secretly, if possible, so there will be no riot. Then we will sell the food to the people. You see to this. Yes, Your Majesty. Have my chief officer and his men stand guard at the gate to the city. Yes, Your Majesty. Ugh, hungry people make an unruly mob. Yeah, the king's men have already taken some of the food inside the city and set up stalls. Even now they're calling out the selling prices. Listen. Flour and barley for sale. A shekel for one measure of flour or two measures of barley. Flour and barley right here for only one shekel. And there, my fellow lepers. You see the fulfillment of Elisha's prophecy. Mm. Part of it. And I think we're about to witness the fulfillment of the other part. Yeah, what part? Well, the king's officer who laughed at Elisha. He was to see flour and barley sold for shekel, but would not eat of it, remember? Yes, but how is it about to be fulfilled? Watch the city gate. The officer guarding the gate, he made fun of Elisha. Now, the people are about to break through the gate. Mm -hmm. If they do, 
That officer will be trampled to death. <laughs> it serve him right, too, making fun of God's chosen prophet. Full respect is due unto God and all his earthly representatives. You know, I've been thinking. Oh, no, not again. Well, there's still one great puzzle to this entire affair. Why did the Syrians desert their camp and run off like they did? Huh? They never knew why the Syrians fled, but we know... For the Bible says, during the night, the Lord made the Syrian host to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the sound of a great army. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. And the Syrians arose and fled for their lives. A miracle. The Lord God had once again saved Israel by a miracle. continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to add these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Have you ever been asked to be in a wedding? Maybe someone wanted you to be a junior bridesmaid or an usher. Maybe they wanted you to light the candles or spread flower petals. If you have, you know how crazy the wedding planning and rehearsals can be. That's what Maria finds out in this shoebox kid's mystery. This time, Maria has a real problem. She's excited about being in her aunt's wedding, but everything is going wrong. Should she refuse to be a junior bridesmaid? Can you figure out what happened to Maria's missing dress before she does? Chapter 4. The Perfect Wedding Mrs. Shoe, who had the best wedding in the Bible? Maria asked. Their lesson in the shoebox was over, and Maria had been wanting to ask her question all morning. Mrs. Shoe's eyebrows went up as she thought. I believe I like the first marriage the most. Now everyone's eyebrows went up. No one could think of who Mrs. Shoe was talking about. Willie Teller wasn't afraid to ask. I can't think. Who had the first wedding? Mrs. Shoe smiled, but before she could answer, Sammy raised his hand. It must have been Jacob, Sammy said without being asked. He worked hard for seven years to marry Rachel, but instead his uncle gave him his oldest daughter, Leah, to marry. Then he had to work another seven years to marry Rachel. Sammy, you remember that story very well, Mrs. Shoe said, but I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking about Jacob. Then who? Jenny asked. Suddenly, Dee Dee grinned. Was it when Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for Isaac? Mrs. Shoe slowly shook her head. No, not Isaac and Rebecca, she said. Maria sighed. A lot of people got married in Bible times. That's true, Maria, Mrs. Shoe replied, but keep trying. These two people I am thinking about were married by God himself. Can you imagine how special that must have been? Jenny's eyes got big. Oh, do you mean Adam and Eve? Right, Jenny, Mrs. Shoe said as she reached for her Bible. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is right for him. Mrs. Shoe looked at her class, and in verse 22 it says, Then the Lord brought the woman to the man. And if we read further in verse 24, it says, So a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two people will become one body. ICB. I guess that would have to be the most perfect wedding, Marie agreed. Since my aunt is going to be married tomorrow, I was trying to explain to Yo-Yo how people stay married. I told her that if their wedding is perfect, two people will stay together forever. Maria didn't see the frown on Jenny's face or Dee Dee shaking her head. Sammy and Willie seemed confused, but they didn't say anything. I think Maria's wrong, Dee Dee said. Don't they just have to love each other? A perfect wedding doesn't mean a marriage is going to last forever. I think you have part of the answer, Dee Dee, Mrs. Shue said. And Maria, it does help for two people to get started right when they are married. But there is much more to marriage than a beautiful wedding. Jenny raised her hand halfway. When Maria saw Jenny, she suddenly remembered that Jenny's parents were divorced and that it must be sort of hard for her to talk about weddings and marriages and stuff. Mrs. Shue smiled. Yes, Jenny? The shoebox grew quiet as Jenny cleared her throat. It doesn't always work that way, Dee Dee, just like Mrs. Shue said, Jenny said softly. Then she looked at Maria. Mom said hers and Dad's wedding was beautiful and perfect. She said it was a very happy day. She told me they loved each other very much but they still got divorced. Maria stared at the floor. Suddenly, hoping for a perfect wedding seemed silly. I wanted so much for Angie's wedding to be beautiful, just like the weddings on TV and in books. Later in her room, Maria could hear her mother and sister talking in excited voices about the wedding rehearsal. I'd be excited too if I had a long pretty dress for the wedding, Maria thought, 
At least no one has to dress up for the rehearsal. But if I go to the rehearsal and learn what I'm supposed to do, then I'll have to go to the wedding. She walked slowly down the stairs when it was time to go. Why do you look so unhappy, Mrs. Vargas asked. I don't want to go to the rehearsal, Maria replied. Chris thumped down the stairs behind Maria. You're still unhappy about that dress? What's the big deal? Leave me alone, Maria mumbled. Mom patted Chris's arm. Go on to the car, dear, and leave Maria alone, please. At least I'm not complaining about going to some wedding rehearsal, Chris said, as he headed the rest of the way down the stairs. You would if you had to wear a dress that was different from everyone else's, Maria argued. Chris laughed as he opened the door. You're right about that. I'd complain if someone wanted me to wear the same dress as anyone else. I'd run away screaming. Maria stuck out her tongue at Chris's back, but she could hardly hold back her laugh. He would look funny in a dress, she decided. Dad followed Chris to the door, then turned to Mom and Maria. Don't be too long, he said. We don't want to be late for the rehearsal. You wait in the car with Chris and Yo-Yo, dear, Mom said. Maria and I will be out in a minute. After Dad had gone, Maria felt like she needed to talk. Mom, I wish I didn't have to go to the wedding. I wish I didn't have to walk up the aisle in that dress. And I wish I didn't have to stand up front where everyone can look at me and wonder why I'm not wearing a long dress like everyone else. Nothing is going to be the way I dreamed it would be. Mrs. Vargas hugged Maria. I'm sorry. I know how much being part of Angie's wedding meant to you. When I was a little girl, I had many of the same dreams about beautiful weddings and princes and princesses that you do. You did? Did you dream about having the most beautiful wedding in the world and wearing the most beautiful clothes and stuff like that, just like in books and things? Mrs. Vargas smiled warmly. Yes, I did. And I did have a beautiful wedding. But there is more to being married than having a beautiful wedding. There is love and trust and commitment. What is commitment? Maria asked. Commitment is doing what you say you will do. It means the same thing as making a vow or a promise. When two people say their vows at their wedding, they are making a commitment to each other to do what they have promised. When two people honor their commitment to each other, they are helping their marriage last. So a commitment is like keeping a promise, Maria asked, thinking she understood. Yes, Mrs. Vargas said seriously. Keeping a promise is very much like honoring a commitment. Doing what you say you will do is a very good thing to learn, especially when you are young. The ability to stay committed to something doesn't happen overnight, Maria. It is something we must teach ourselves to do. Maria's mind was spinning. This sounded like grown-up stuff, and Mom was trying to tell her something important. Maria thought she knew what message Mom was trying to get across, too. Does that also mean that I should be in Angie's wedding even if I don't want to? That since I promised to be a junior bridesmaid, no matter what happens, I should do it? I think you know the answer, Maria. Maria sighed. I do, Mom. The story you have heard today is a chapter of the Shoebox Kids, Book 6, The Wedding Dress Disaster, written by Eric Stoffel, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come.
adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.